Welcome to McGuire on Wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? Let's give the people what they want. Professional wrestling. With Mike McGuire. The happiest Canadian camper in the world. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Give me a hell yeah. It is the day after WWE's Royal Rumble. Some surprises, some no surprises, and some things we never thought we'd be talking about. All surrounded this past week in wrestling. Thank you for being here. If you've been listening for a while, I'm happy to announce that we are not only in a building with furniture again, but I'm actually coming to you from a brand new Team MOW McGuire on Wrestling podcast studio this is great you're gonna see it in the next couple of weeks here as we get the video stuff figured out the mics are working the production's there it's all awesome and it's all thanks to you supporting what we do here just by listening again never gonna charge you to listen to these shows never gonna charge you to subscribe to any content here that's not what it's about If you'd like to support monetarily, you can get yourself something at mcguireshow.com and the Team MOW shop. But that's not even the most important thing to tell you about this week. The most important thing is that this week, in addition to talking about the Rumble, in addition to talking about all the crazy things that have happened around WWE especially, but we have a third show finally making its way to this podcast feed for you again absolutely free of charge from a different part of the world and it's going to be something i think you're really going to enjoy we'll talk about that in just a bit as well but we have a lot to cover if you watched the rumble last night the internet doing what the internet does i loved the rumble i hate the rumble it was great it was dumb yay we're finishing the story uh we're still hearing about the story Here's what's going to happen. We're going to cut through the noise. We're going to cut through the clutter. We're going to talk about the important things, some of your thoughts as well. Always welcome, always appreciated. And the best way to do that is at the Team MOW McGuire on Wrestling Facebook group. We had a few more members join us over the last week. Thank you for being there. Tell your friends about it. We even threw in a contest last night. Congratulations to Dave Drashiff, who is a... uh, Big-time supporter of the show. He listens all the time, and he was just asking me the other day about getting T-shirts for the show in the U.S., which you can do. But now he's got one coming to him for free. We did a little surprise rumble pool yesterday. So if you're part of that Facebook group, you never know. Little contests and stuff like that might come up because we're not making like break the bank money off this thing through selling t-shirts either trust me but anything i do make i want to give back to you i want to give back to the show that's how this podcast has grown that's how it's continuing to grow and with your support who knows where we can take this thing coming up vince mcmahon is out of wwe and tko for good a full timeline of events that brought down the most successful wrestling promoter in history again WWE's Royal Rumble was full of surprises and returns. Remember when Rod moving to Netflix was the big story of the week? Or when The Rock joined the board of TKO? Yeah, we'll touch on that a bit. Dark Side of the Ring announces their new lineup. Plus, that new show is joining your MOW podcast feed this week. We'll tell you about that. And Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer is here. We'll give you all this. But first, here are the top stories of the week. It's called The Five Count. You want to hear the breaking news? Well, I probably don't need to tell you this verbatim, but WWE's Royal Rumble did happen last night in Tampa or St. Pete or Clearwater, Florida, depending on really who was advertising it to you in that moment. Nevertheless, a huge event kicked off with the Women's Royal Rumble. Bailey winning the Women's Royal Rumble in a match that had quite a few surprises. Naomi would return to WWE as the number two entrant. Her former TNA rival and current knockout champion Jordan Grace made an appearance and a strong one in that match. The much-anticipated Jade Cargill made her debut in ring, and Liv Morgan would also return after her time off due to injury at the number 30 spot. Roman Reigns appeared in the second match of the night to retain his WWE Undisputed Championship against LA Knight, Randy Orton, and AJ Styles, thanks to help from Solo Sokoa, and Logan Paul retained his title against Kevin Owens in the US Championship match. The Men's Royal Rumble would see the WWE return of Andrade, fresh from his stint in AEW, and the final four 
were Cody Rhodes, Gunther, Drew McIntyre, and CM Punk. In the end, it would be CM Punk and Cody Rhodes, with Cody being the first person in 26 years to win back-to-back Royal Rumble matches. Looking for the go to sleep. Cody, though, able to catch him. I'm not Dusty's kid anymore. Seth freaking Rollins and Roman Reigns watching from the skybox above, Cody indicated it was in fact Roman Reigns who he would be challenging at WrestleMania for that WWE Championship. Well, the press conference after the Royal Rumble was a little less celebratory in some ways as a group of reporters did address the current Vince McMahon scandal and Vince's resignation since a lawsuit accusing him of trafficking and other disturbing details came out. While understandably Paul Levesque was selective with his answers, it was Cameron Hawkins from The Ringer that did get Levesque to expand on WWE and TKO's stance on ensuring safety for employees of the company and what will be done to prevent things like what McMahon is accused of doing from ever happening again, to which Levesque had this to say. I'll give you the most generalized answer that I can. Everything possible. Yeah, it's a, that that is a, a very important thing to us, very important topic to us. It's as simple as everything possible. Friend of the show, Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics was also there, asking Levesque if he had in fact read the lawsuit. I did not. Um, I think Cody mentioned it, that we all found out real time when you were. Um, And that's the truth. This comes a week after TKO and UFC faced a bit of scrutiny following Dana White's comments at a press conference, shutting down John Pollock from post-wrestling during a question about the behavior of one of their fighters. Well, overall, it was a very heavy week for WWE news, and it actually started off this week with the announcement by WWE and Netflix joining up forces worldwide, including being the new home for Monday Night Raw starting in 2025. Now, the layout is sounding like it's going to be similar to what WWE Network has set up in Canada, but it's going to be also giving an option for a further network library to exist. Premium live events for countries outside the United States will also be featured, as well as SmackDown and other WWE broadcasts 52 weeks a year, which is a first for Netflix. Currently in Canada, Rogers Sportsnet Plus runs all WWE programming, including Raw, SmackDown, NXT, main event, and all premium live events. The Netflix WWE deal is $5 billion for 10 years worth of content. And of course, the other WWE major story this week saw Dwayne The Rock Johnson join TKO's board of directors, which saw him get a stock payoff as well as ownership of the name The Rock. Johnson was there to ring the bell at the New York Stock Exchange after the announcement with Vince McMahon, then standing right next to him at the time. Well, staying in North America, but taking a look elsewhere than WWE, TNA has announced that Mustafa Ali will be a part of the show for the next little while. Ali appeared on TNA Impact vignettes with his Ali 2024 campaign. Ali is making a run of independent appearances as well, so it's not known if he signed a long-term deal with TNA or if this is just a limited run. Among his TNA dates, Ali will also be appearing for Defy Wrestling in Seattle, Warrior Wrestling in Chicago and Brooklyn, House of Glory, Destiny in Toronto, Red Pro in London and Revolver in Dayton, among many, many others. And the fifth season of Vice TV's Dark Side of the Ring has been confirmed. Season five will begin on Tuesday, March the 5th. And once again, they got a power packed lineup here of stories they're going to tell in no particular order. Gentleman Chris Adams, Sensational, Sherry Martell, Terry Gordy. The Black Saturday, where Vince McMahon purchased Georgia Championship Wrestling back in 1984 and basically took over their time slot on TBS. A story you might not know all that well, but it's interesting. We'll talk to Dave Meltzer about in just a bit here. Chris Colt, The Sandman, Earthquake, Harley Race, Buff Bagwell, and Brutus Beefcake, all to be focuses of this year's Dark Side of the Ring series. It'll be really interesting to see where some of those stories take us in that show. Well, coming up, Dave Meltzer is going to be here and a little bit of listener discretion advised. We are going to talk about the Vince McMahon saga. We're not going to go into the really gross details, but I just want to give you the heads up in case you're listening with kids in the car. And also on the way, we're going to talk to Andy Evans from the Squared Circle podcast, the newest edition to Team MOW. Andy and his crew are going to be appearing on this pod feed We'll catch up with him, get his thoughts from across the pond about the Royal Rumble and more. And also coming up next, it was today in 1991 that a legendary wrestling manager would debut in a new role, but arguably his most famous role. Who was that? If you think you know, the answer's coming up after the break. This is McGuire on Wrestling. 
You got to stream the alternate commentary table. Every single Saturday, it's brought to you on the McGuire on Wrestling feed. I'm one half of your host, Demetri Corollas, and I'm here with my partner, Mitch Hondras. Mitch, what is the alternate commentary table? It's simple. It's the perspective of wrestling from the other side of the railing, the real fans. That's right. The perspective that you need. You might have a little bit of fun, too. The alternate commentary table. Subscribe free now to the McGuire on Wrestling podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. Cheers, Welcome back to McGuire on Wrestling. To many fans of The Undertaker, it's well known that Brother Love, along with the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, were the first characters to introduce Taker to WWE at the 1990 Survivor Series. However, it would be just a few months later, in fact, January 28th, 1991, that Brother Love would introduce a new manager for the dead man, a man once known as Percy Pringle III, but now would appear under the moniker of Paul Bearer. Oh, what what better man to guide the career of the Undertaker than brother Paul Bearer? <laughs> Bearer would go on to manage the Undertaker before turning on him in 1996 to side with Mankind and then Kane and then reunited with Taker in 98, appearing with Kane in 2000, had a brief stint in TNA, and then would return to WWE once again a few more times before tragically passing away in March of 2013. Also fun fact, I had the chance to meet Paul Bearer at a house show in Red Deer, Alberta, where I was in fact the winner of the Paul Bearer Look, Sound, and Act Like contest. He came in the ring and did a bit with us where he pretended to be someone else trying to win. <clears throat> Let's see if I still got it here. Oh, yes! It's not bad, eh? It's time for the Wrestling Observer Insider with Dave Meltzer, McGuire on Wrestling. Well, Dave, not much to talk about this week. <laughs> this week was crazy. Holy cow. Okay, let's let's start with the easy first. Rumble last night. Your thoughts coming out of the event. It was a show. I mean, they had a direction. They went in that direction. They had to change the direction because Brock Lesnar wasn't there. And Braun Breaker got his spot in the Rumble. And, uh, you know, leads to... I, I don't know that, that they're going to do it with uh, Braun Breaker, what they did for, for Lesnar for WrestleMania, but um, I heard you know a lot of WrestleMania plans had to change because there was a domino effect is what I was told of Lesnar not being there. So Lesnar's, at least as of today, Lesnar's out of WrestleMania. Yeah. And, um, you know, the winners were who the winners should have been. I mean, like the men's should have been either Punk or Cody because they're getting the championship shots and the women should be Lynch or, or um, Bailey because they're getting the championship shots and, you know, two of them won and the other to probably have to win an elimination chamber, I'm guessing. Well, that's just it. You saw a lot of setup for elimination chamber. Obviously, there's some some key figures in both the men's and women's side. So, I mean, the stories are kind of telling themselves a bit. They're a little predictable overall. I mean, some people were predicting maybe The Rock would show up and that would set up Rock Roman. But here we go. It's Cody. It's Roman. It looks like this is the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so where where does The Rock figure in all this? Or is this all a, a smoke show to just kind of get us off the scent of Cody Roman too? Um, no, Rock and Roman are going to have a match, but it's going to be later in the year. You know, I don't know which show yet. Oh. Um, they probably have it decided. But uh, I know Rock wanted Mania, but and I know that people wanted Saudi. And I don't know that it's Saudi, but, um, you know, it's it could be. could be SummerSlam. I don't know. What about Australia then? Do you think that's not happening? Oh, no, no, no. Roman and Ro- Roman's not even on Australia. Huh. Wild. Okay. Overall, how'd you feel about the Rumble matches themselves and how they wrapped up? Because some people are loving it. Some people are kind of wishy-washy on it. Yeah. man. I think the men's match was very good. I thought the women's match was very, very sloppy, but it had a better finish. Logan Paul and Kevin Owens, I thought, was the best wrestling match on the show, but it had the worst finish. And uh, the four-way, I don't know. The four-way, it's like everything that they did looked good. But when it was over, I was my thought was kind of like, is that all this is? You know, I I, I just felt really flat on that four way. There's no steam in it anymore. It's the, it's literally the same formula over and over again. And I mean, that's the solution they have for this right now is just keep hitting repeat, I guess, until they well, have I mean, a reason not to. I mean, they they have to keep putting Roman over. I mean, yeah. that's the reality. You know, at least till Mania, and then after that, you know, that depends on. You know, do they do they want to put him over Cody a second time? I think that would be a bad mistake, and I don't think they will. But um, you know, they but they couldn't beat him here. I mean, there's no way. So everyone knew the finish. It was a strange event in the fact that it was only four matches, but still was a relatively long show overall. Do you think that the timing decision was a good idea to let these matches breathe, or do you think they should have had more matches overall? I mean, they could have put you know a, 
a six minute match in. But yeah, the show was long enough, and um, the Rumble is the match that really sells the sh- the Rumble matches sell the show, and they had right. Roman. So you know, um, but it is weird, you know, when I look at they did a stadium show, you know, in front of forty thousand people and only had four matches. That's that's you know, who would have ever thought that you would ever do that? Well, that's just it. I mean, traditionally, a stadium show. I mean, look at WrestleMania; it had to be expanded to two days because they wanted to get as many as they could in. So it'll be interesting to see, especially, I guess, next year when Netflix takes over and and what the idea of content looks like overall. But for now, I guess they're just doing what they can and and really keeping an eye on the time because I think they're realizing that fatigue is a thing that the wrestling fans are dealing with more and more now than ever, I think, because there's just so much to watch. There's so much, there's so much product. Yeah. Yeah. Going long is not really a good thing in, for anybody. No. Okay. I want to talk about a little bit in the TNA relationship here. Now, Last year, it was kind of cool. You know, Mickey James came out, made sense. She had a history in the company. Now we have Jordan Grace show up. Do you know if this was maybe part of the Naomi deal? Like, did they maybe let her out of a deal and say, okay, well, you got to, you know, showcase one of our girls again? Or, maybe, or was this something maybe, they've been wanting to do for a while, you think? Well, if you're TNA, to get one of your wrestlers on a show like that, it's probably a benefit. And, and yeah, it could be a trade. You know, we'll let Naomi out and we'll, you know, We'll showcase one of your women in the Royal Rumble. So, you know, whatever it worked out, she got some, and she looked good. She was better than most of the women in the in the match, actually. She looked good, and she looked strong too. She looked really, really strong in that match. Yeah, they. I'm sure that that was stuff that had to be worked out because I don't think that TNA was going to allow their champion to go there and just be punked out um, because that wouldn't be good for them. They had to do something that she had to come out. I mean, that served the, that would serve them no purpose. Well, I mean, last year Mickey was in the final four, so that was. That was yeah. the statement made. So it seems to be something where, you know, for, for people that say, well, WWE doesn't work with anybody. Is there maybe maybe a correlation there? And I know we know that they're not doing business together per se because of it, but Endeavor is going to be carrying TNA streaming moving forward. Maybe that's just a kind of a, a gesture between the two relationships as well. Or Could be. Um, you know, again, the Vincent Man WWE is over. You know, Vincent Man's mentality, Kevin Dunn's mentality, that's over. So yeah. It's completely different. I mean, there's there's no reason for them to play big bully with all the other companies, you know, just because they did in the past, you know, like right. the, the playing big bully allowed Tony Khan to make incredible amount of relationships all over the world because nobody wanted to deal with Vince and they all saw Vince as the enemy. Well, Vince is out. So, you, you know, it's probably better for you to start making friends. And I'm sure because they're WWE people, you know, anyone they want to make friends with, you know, I don't know about new Japan, you know, new Japan's got certain loyalties and everything, but as far right. as, you know, like a, a TNA or a or a AAA or something like that. I, I could see a relationship there. It, it, it makes sense in some ways. Well, and again, as they look to globally expand, that's always been the talk. I mean, it makes sense to reach out to as many people as you can. Okay. Um, <laughs> God, let's get into it. And this is probably the most we're going to talk about it on these podcast feeds here because A, so much has been said about it. B, while he is obviously a big figure in it, he is technically no longer with the companies. But let's get into the Vince saga now. To catch everybody up to speed, this is now a civil lawsuit that is coming out of the same allegations that came out last year, right? When Vince was first. Yeah, but these, these are these are way, way, way worse. Oh, honest. yeah, but this is this is but the same individual is involved it's in this. A, right? Yeah, yeah. Jan- Janelle Grant was the woman who started the ball rolling. Yes, and it wasn't really her who started. It was actually. I guess someone who found out a friend of hers or something. Yeah. A friend of hers found out, contact the board of directors because they wanted, you know, basically Vince and John Laurinaitis out yep. and the board of directors, you know, they got rid of Laurinaitis immediately. And, you know, Vince was Vince. It wasn't as easy to get rid of him. Um, and they got rid of him once and then he came back and, you know, forced his way back. And now he's gone and I can't, imagine. he doesn't have the power to come back anymore unless Ari allows him to come back. And right. I cannot imagine I can't imagine that one happening. Ari made a big mistake, um, you know, um, in keeping him with the company when the sale went down because they enough of this was known, and he had the, you know, if, it, it wasn't one instance; it's been multiple. And I mean, there's three women now who have claimed sexual assault by about Vince. Obviously, Rita Chatterton's one, Janelle Grant's one, and there's a third one from years ago in one of the settlements. That's three. I mean, not not consensual having an affair this is it's three women and others that were paid off you know several others that were paid off it's this is a pattern and it goes back to at least 
1985, if not 1986, if not earlier. So it's just kind of like, uh, you know, Ari made a huge mistake in, in letting him back. And, um, you know, he, he was probably going to come out not too bad. I mean, they almost lost Slim Jims, but Slim Jims came back when they got rid of him. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to get there. Just just before we keep going any further, because we always say that this is a show you can listen to with the kids in the car and everything. I just want to let you know, folks, if you're listening right now, we are going to be talking a little in depth on detail of this. So if you want to listen to this part without kids in the car or whatever, that's fine, too. I just want to give that heads up as we go forward here. We're not going to get into the, the really gross details or anything like that, but... Um, just going back a little bit before we get to the Slim Jim thing, which really was probably the final straw in this whole thing. It goes back to Vince, again, retiring, like you said, after the first allegations that came out from, from this individual. He votes himself back in because he had the the shares. He had the voting stock. So then the merger happens. Is that when he gave up the stock or was that after he had already been a part of TKO? With the merger... And the nature of the merger, his voting power was already under 50%. Okay. You know, like, like he had, he he never had 50, he had 80% of the voting power, but only 38% of the stock in WWE right. because of how he wrote the bylaws that even though, you know, that his stock would be worth more. With TKO, they did not allow those bylaws. And Vince has 11%, 11.3% of the stock in, in, uh, in TKO, but that's not enough to vote himself in or to do anything. He has no... He has no power to force himself in at this point. He doesn't own the company. He owns 11.3% of the company. That's not a majority interest. So now it's a case where we get to Vince being back in the company. He's laying low. He's not around as much. You know, his influence isn't nearly as what it was before. This happens and it seemed to be honestly that within a matter of three days, this went from the story's out to TKO's looking into it to Vince is gone. And well, was, the big thing was, that came out was the story of Slim Jim pulling their sponsorship from the event. And little did we realize how much they were involved until, I mean, if you watched the show last night, you saw Slim. I mean, they had everything from yeah. from the, the car giveaway to the kids section to all this stuff. I mean, so you can't blame them for pulling out immediately yeah. when, when this comes out to the way it is. And this comes down to business as well. At the same time, that had to be the final straw here. When and I don't know what the exact even dollars were, but you got to imagine that's probably like a two, three million dollar deal right there alone. More, more, more than that, well, more than, well over that. But the, but the thing is, is that um, they had they had with or without Slim Jim, they had to get rid of Vince. There was no way around it because right. they were not going to be the only sponsors out. And it's more than that. I mean, it's like, do you think Netflix really wants to do a deal when this guy's your chairman of the board? You know, I mean. It, there was no way. There was no way. There, you know, there was no way that, that Vince could have stayed as chairman of the board. He had to be out of the company. I mean, once that suit was filed, and and because there's no, you know, like you can go through that suit, and and even if you take the like like the idea that if you if you go with the idea that the woman made a lot of it up, all you have to do, if you even go with that, you're trying to defend Vince, trying to put any defense of Vince. Once you read those texts, he's got to be gone. The texts are way too damning. And. Uh, again, we'll spare you the details, friends. Uh, Variety, I know, posted a link to the forum. I'm sure you've got links to everything up at uh, WrestlingObserver.com as well. My question out of this, and obviously you're not a lawyer, I'm not a lawyer, or this isn't a law show, but when you hear about this stuff, and the words are sex trafficking, and that is criminal. So how can this be settled civilly without Vince McMahon, if if even found liable in this civil suit? not end up facing criminal charges because of this. Yeah. Well, that's probably something to talk to her lawyer about. And her lawyer has actually been asked that. And I, her, her basic answer was, is that I'm representing her in a civil case. That's right. what she said. She didn't say anything more like, you know, why didn't, you know, why didn't you, did you file charges? What happened? He ju she just said, I'm representing her in a civil case. So I don't really have a good answer to that question. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's fair because, I mean, it just, the only other reference I have to this in my recent memory bank is, is OJ, right? Where the criminal trial happened with the murder and yeah. then they, he got off on that, but then they won the civil suit. So yeah. to me, one should be hand in hand with the other. If it is in fact trafficking, I mean, absolutely. that absolutely. That's horrible. Look, if, if what is in that lawsuit is legit, yeah. um, you know, both Vince and John Moore and I, it should be, you know what I mean? Yeah, they, it should be, you know, I mean, because the allegations that lawsuit, they both should be, you know, um, 
if that's if that is in fact true, you know, there's yeah, th- that should that should be very much a criminal complaint. And that's the thing that just wraps my brain around this whole thing right now is that there's still this key factor of of money involved in this. And until, you know, people are throwing around the innocent until proven guilty, there there isn't even a guilty in this thing right now. It's just a libel. It's it's which are two totally different things, even though they're they're similar. They're not, you know, Okay, you can talk about innocent until proven guilty, but the text messages are text messages that alone is not innocent. There's no innocent. And, um, you know, and if those text messages, you know, I mean, the last bastion of defense of Vince McMahon is the text messages aren't real. The right. problem is if the text messages aren't real, 100 percent, we would already know now because they would immediately say these text messages aren't real. So the mm-hmm. fact that nobody has said that, it's like uh, there's it's it's like in a court of law, innocence until proven guilty. But the text messages alone, if you read them, they're disgusting. That's, yeah. you know. I mean, that's not innocent. That's all I'll say. Where can WWE go from here from a, a business and corporate standpoint here? Because we played the clip earlier of, of Triple H saying, look, everything possible is being done to make sure something like that never happens again. You know, there's a, a corporate culture there. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's a culture from another generation because the people running the company were from another generation. The, the amount of knowledge there um from people it's uh and and nobody doing anything it's a really ugly situation you know as far as obviously there should be zero tolerance um at all and um i don't know i mean unless you know i i i, I again like with paul Levesque, it's like what you know he didn't answer any questions and nor could he but um there are big questions of what did what did he know what did nick know they knew enough that they voted to let him in. And to me, that makes them, you know, you know, again, their hands were tied, but at the same time, they still did it. There is complicity to everyone on the new board, the old board, you know, the people who quit the old board, you know, makes them look good. But everyone who was on the new board, they are complicit to a degree in this by allowing this guy back with knowledge. Again, did they know the depth of this? You know, the, they did an investigation. And, and again, why is the why did she not get called in the investigation when she said that she was willing to comply with the investigation? That's a question again where you got to go back to the board of directors and go, you guys screwed up real bad. And Vince and John Laurinaitis are the villains here. But everyone involved in that investigation, if they did that investigation without without even asking her, and she's the key to opening up the investigation, that is um, man, I I don't know how you rationalize that one and how you can defend any of them, unless there is a reason. And obviously, you know, they haven't given a reason yet. And hopefully there's some explanation. I don't know what it would be. Well, this would have to be the last straw, I think, in in giving WWE a a true culture change. And I'm almost wondering, though, if they're willing to do that. And I bring this up with TKO as a whole. We all heard or saw what happened with the John Pollock over a post wrestling with Dana White the week prior, uh, trying to address the the comments that were made at the presser going into UFC 297 with Strickland and and his speech and and then all of a yeah, sudden that was ugly stuff too. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. So we've we've already kind of seen on one side where it's like, hey, no harm, no foul. It's gonna be what it is, even though it was terrible. They're they're kind of be like, well, it is what it is. On this WWE side, though, it almost seems like, hey, we're being called on it. Plus, it's going to cost us money. This is where we have to act now. Is this is this a real shot, you think, at WWE especially, but maybe TKO as a whole, reevaluating their their theory they, and their philosophy here? Well, I mean, if TKO doesn't, then uh, they look completely negligent. You know, if they don't if they don't force major changes. I mean, what happened in UFC was bad. But it was a different level. But it's it, it was what Sean Strickland said that in this day and age, that shouldn't be tolerated either. And, you know, what Dana did with not even getting, you know, a suspension. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like, again, I, I I mean, and it goes right to the top. The top's Ari Emanuel. He did not suspend Dana. He did bring in Vince. You know, do, you cannot absolve him of it because of the fact that it happened before he was there. The reality is, is that he still made key decisions in both of those cases. And even with Strickland of saying like, oh, we're going to look the other way. And it's like, you know, it, 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 
they shouldn't be looking the other way, um, especially if they have sponsors and their sponsors. When it comes to UFC, when it comes to Strickland, the sponsor should be asking questions, going like, do we really want to be involved in a company that even if they do not advocate it, they tolerate it? And this is not anything like Strickland stuff is is not like at the level of the Vince stuff. But it's bad. It's no, really- yeah, exactly. And and that's what I'm worried about, I guess, is that we're seeing where the boundaries are being drawn now. And again, you're absolutely right. You know, what, what Strickland said is hateful, ignorant, and shouldn't be, you know, uttered anywhere to begin with. But now we're talking about something where, but even then, you know, there could be, there could be a criminal implication with, with hate speech and everything. I, I don't know. This is all. It's horrible. It's horrible. And they've, they've done, and at this point in time, they've done nothing. And yeah. I think that that they need to get both of those companies in order. I mean, they bought these companies and they're, you know, making their, you know, the, like that. see Mike Shapiro's new contract. I mean, it's incredible. They're doing all that while being, you know, while allowing all of this to happen. It's like this, your job is to stop this stuff from happening. What it comes down to is something that, that I believe in wholeheartedly, and that is accountability. And if you're going to, if you're going to do one way for one you should be doing one way for the other do you know what i mean where oh of course of course it it yeah. actually seems and and i can only imagine if something like the strickland thing had happened in wwe it almost seems like wwe would have taken it more seriously than ufc would I, they would have they would but they're both under the same banner now and that's that's the part that just boggles my mind here and i don't want to again we said this last week if you're looking to pro sports if you're looking to entertainment if you're looking to anything that's not you and your core as a moral foreground that's that's on you but there has to be some responsibility and some culpability when it comes to how you're you know if i go on the radio and say something anything like that dude there's licenses being called into question there's you know all sorts of things there's there's repercussions for the actions and it just seems like there's nothing for that here yeah, and especially like you know the one that's that that surprised me is like Bud Light because Strickland spoke out against Bud Light and Bud Light is the number one sponsor of UFC. Yeah, and I don't understand why they would allow their like Brock years ago said something like that was one percent and less than one percent as bad as what Strickland said. Oh, he said I don't drink this, I drink this. Yeah, right. And he got yelled at and everything. Never do this again. Strickland, as far as we know, you know, um, you know, and he's not the star Brock is. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what, um, you know, maybe Bud Light's so gun shy that they don't want to force their hand right now. And they're just happy that they have this sponsorship, but it's, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a really bad thing. Yeah. It's all money. It's all money. That's what the the gross thing is. It's, it's all money. These are profitable companies that have a big following and people want to be involved with them. And I think the Slim Jim thing is the perfect example. They didn't want to pull out. They felt they were forced and they looked at the first excuse they had to get right back in, which they got, you know, because it's like, okay, it looks like you're doing something. We really don't want to pull out. We've been, you know, there's a reason we want to sponsor you because they think it's good for their business. Well, what it comes down to, again, if you're listening to this and you agree or disagree with the the, the viewpoints of these people, that's not what's in question. It's about how you conduct yourself. It's how about you conduct yourself in front of a, a large audience with a platform. And also in, in the Vince McMahon case, it's how you conduct yourself as a human and, and possibly in criminal behavior. So I guess we'll just have to see how everything shakes down. Everybody, everybody wants a decision right away. Right. And it's not even going to get to court right away. So we have to see what happens next. It's it's, it's never going to get to court. This is going to be settled. It can't not be settled. You know what I mean? They cannot have this go to court. It's, you know, it's just a question of how much will it take and whatever it will take. Um, that they negotiate. That's what this is about. You know, it's the same thing with the MLW thing. At the end of the day, could it go to discovery? The answer is no. So you make it go away. And that's what's going to, you know, I I, I mean, I, I see almost no chance this goes to court because the uh, ramifications, because again, the suit is not just against Vince McMahon and right. not just against John Laurinaitis. It's also against WWE. And Ari Emanuel owns WWE and he's got to make it go away. That's the reality. There's no way around it. Okay, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, WrestlingObserver.com. Let's try and talk about wrestling here for just a second. <laughs> it's It seems weird that we're we're pulling out of the darkness by talking about this topic, but I want to get your thoughts on the lineup that was announced for the upcoming season of Dark Side of the Ring. And one of the stories I'm 
kind of surprised and interested to see they're going into. I mean, they've got a great lineup here. They've got Brutus Beefcake, Buff Bagwell, Harley Race, uh, John Tenta, Earthquake, Sandman, uh, the, the Black Saturday with Vince purchasing Georgia Championship Wrestling, Terry Gordy, uh, Sherry Martell, and Chris Adams. But the one story in here that a lot of people might not know just by seeing is Chris Colt. And this is a guy that a lot of people said could have had everything, but just couldn't get out of his own way. And and for those that don't know the Chris Colt story, what can you tell us about him? Well, Chris Colt was kind of, um, you know, he was a good worker. Mm-hmm. He was um, a journeyman wrestler in the 70s who, um, I mean, he was never really a big star in any big place. You know, I, I don't want to say he was one of the first gay wrestlers, because I'm sure the first gay wrestlers go back 150 years too. But one of the few that was kind of well-known at a time when it was far less... But, you know, Patterson predated him. You know, it's not like it's, but, but it was still, there was still a stigma in that yeah. era about that. Um, you know, he played a Hell's Angel and uh, had major, major, major drug issues. You know, I mean, and his career never, you know, it's, it's interesting because he's not particularly well known. Um, his career was never that big, but his, the stories of Chris Colt, I mean, it, he was one of those guys like, like Don Fargo, where, um, you know, you hear all kinds of crazy stories and, and you know, or Dr. Jerry Graham, you know, where, you know, it's just one of those guys where, you know, you, 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 um, you know, people, if they're in the industry, if they're around the industry, it's like, you know, that th- those were the real characters uh, of the 70s. So it's almost the level of like Herb Abrams stories to a degree with. Yeah. With well, the, the, yeah, you know, and they, they did, they, they did a really good. Uh, one on Herb Abrams. I mean, Chris yeah. Colt, I don't expect like it's going to be doing big numbers, but it, it, the fact that they did it and they picked it out makes me feel that they have a really fascinating story there. You know, and that's the thing with these dark side shows. They've, they've kind of shifted direction a bit on them. I, I'm almost wondering how the uh, how the Harley Race one is going to shake down. I'm interested to see how the Sandman one shakes down. Uh, especially with Sandman, because I mean he's still around, you know, Buff Bagwell still around, Brutus Beefcake still around. You know, there's there's a lot of these stories that might have different turns here, but uh the well, they'll, they'll 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 make them redemption stories. Yeah. You know, as, as far as you know, you know, uh Sandman and Buff Bagwell and 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 Beefcake, you know, it's like you know, they went through horrible periods, like a Jake story, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like it's bad, but at the, on the flip side, he came out. You know, you know, he survived. He survived uh, where a lot of people wouldn't have survived. And he came out. I don't want to say, OK, because Jake's got his issues, but he came out, you know, and, and he's, you know, he's made amends with his family. And that's, you know, so it's a good thing. That part anyway. All right, Dave, last question as we try and talk about uh, actual current day wrestling here. We didn't get to talk much about AEW this week here, so we'll make up for that next week for sure. But uh you know, as as far as injuries and and sidelines go, I mean, last week we talked about Kenny Omega still waiting for word on whether or not he's going to go through that surgery. Has there been any updates at all, or is he still just waiting? No, no, no. And there's we're I mean, I don't think we're we're, we're like six, six weeks out before we'll really have an update. Yeah. On yeah. Okay. And then uh, Charlotte Flair rehabbing already, working hard in the gym. She's posted some videos, some photos. Any news on whether or not she might still try and enforce Mania, or is that? Oh, that's impossible. That's impossible. Mania is out of the pot. Um, like they said, nine months. I know people who are pretty close to her who told me she'll make it back a little quicker, but a little quicker means like seven months. Okay. You know I mean? It's not, it's not mania. There's not, not even a chance. No. Well, you know what, man, it's, it's a heavier discussion than I normally like to have with you, but it's important stuff that we had to talk about here. Uh, I guess the last thing, the Netflix deal, because I mean, this is obviously big money, big future. As far as layout goes, like I think in Canada, we're actually going to be fine with this because, if anything, it kind of saves us money. But down in the States especially, how is this going to impact people on, on how they buy it? Are they going to end up having to pay more for subscriptions to other services as well? Or how is this going to shake down for U.S. residents with Netflix and WWE Raw? Well, I think a large percentage of the people who were raw, who watch Raw already have Netflix. So it's not really a big difference unless they raise the price of Netflix, which they probably will. Um, and some people will, yeah, if you want to watch Raw, you're going to have to buy Netflix. And so, um, you know, if you want to watch SmackDown, you're going to have to, in some form, have access to cable stations. You know, so it, it's it's like, yeah, if you want, you know, you can't drop your cable because you don't get SmackDown. Um, and if you don't have Netflix, yeah, you got to add Netflix if you really want to follow WWE 50, you know, all the shows. 
Well, and again, the, the setup we have here in Canada, as much as I like to complain about some of the factors of it, because they don't have as much libraries, even what Peacock has. But the setup here is actually pretty great because it's going to be what we have on the Sportsnet deal right now, which is Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Main Event, and and all the PLEs, and it's all under one banner. So right. it looks like that's how it's going to shop internationally to all those other markets as well. But uh yeah, it's just interesting to see how things are happening there at home. All right, Dave, before we go, uh, some things that folks can read about in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter from the past week. What can you tell us about? Okay, well, I mean, we got, like, the most details on the Netflix deal, how it affects AEW's negotiations. Um, there's a lot to the Netflix deal, you know, as far as, like, how good a financial deal it was or wasn't and what it says about the future of sports rights. Um, and, obviously, the lead story is Vince go through the whole, all the accusations, what what's in the texts i mean i i don't have every everything because some of it's just too gross yeah i have have all the highlights that's all there and it's a very detailed article and those are like the two big ones you know the two big things that are in there and all the you know all the news of um you know just what would happen in the week with wwe and AEW and in japan and everything like that but those two stories are huge huge stories and uh they're they're pretty in depth, oh, and, a, and a big story on AEW and their house show business, um, which is, you know, another thing of uh, it's a thing of concern. You know, you can't get around it. Um, since the year started, I mean, this is this is going to be a the the worst month I think for AEW house show business, partially due to some of the cities they're running. But you still, mean just t- ticket sales in general. You mean just yeah, TVs and yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, as far as the yeah, as far as the ticket sales, I mean, it's not to be all and end all. And the reality is, their last pay per view did way better than anyone expected. And that the revenue from the pay-per-view pretty much is going to make up whatever negative there is in the house shows. It's not a financial. And, and again, with the cons, look, you know, the, this week it came out, you know, the cons sports value that has nothing to do with his bumper, you know, in his other businesses and Tony's other businesses, just their sport. Well, Tony is Tony's actual business sports analytics business. So it's still sports, but that's not even factoring in. This is the French sports franchise business, which is Fulham, Jacksonville Jaguars, AEW. That alone is worth $8.5 billion. Right. So, and they were listed essentially as the 11th, as far as family goes, they are the 11th largest family in the world, not in the United States, in the world when it comes to value of their sports properties. So the point is, is that if um, if AEW draws 2,000 people in Bossier City last night or whatever the number was, um, you know, it's it's... It's not great, but it's not like people are going like, oh, they're not going to survive next year. It's like, you know, you, yeah. you guys are crazy if you think that this company's going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, there's, you know, there's 170 million in revenue last year. This year we'll be closing in on, you know, 190, maybe more, you know, depending on if they get a streaming deal or, you know, whatever else. I mean, it's like the company's doing great. You know, but some people like for whatever reason, there's a real dishonesty about or lack of understanding of business when it comes to AEW. I mean, it's like I can explain it. It's being outside value to two billion. I think that's really high. I don't believe it's really two billion sounds way too high for what it's worth. But even if we go and say it's one billion, it's a company that started with at zero five years ago. Now it's worth a billion. It's a, it's a absolutely great business, not like a failing business or anything. Well, and like you said, the whole landscape is changing. You know, is a TV deal going to mean as much as a potential streaming deal? Who knows what the next year and change is going to bring here. But uh, nevertheless, we will dive more into AEW next week because it was a very WWE-heavy week this week. But, I mean, with good reason. There was so much that happened. Yeah, yeah. But, I I mean, I did an in-depth story. And I'm not excusing the house shows. I mean, my my story was very much about the house shows. And the fact is that aspect of AEW business is not good. And I yeah. kind of explained why and try to offer. I mean, I've written before, you know, I've right. written many things before on what can be done and um, hopefully they will implement it. And they have a new person in charge, you know, Koshe Irby is now in charge and this is his department to clean up essentially. Dave Meltzer from the wrestling observer and WrestlingObserver.com. as always. Thank you very much, sir. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay, have a great week. Thanks always to Dave Meltzer. Lots of WWE talk this week, I know. And we're going to have a little bit more, but with a special guest who is now a part of the family. You may have heard him before. He's back. Andy Evans from the Squared Circle. He's got some comrades over in the UK. They do a weekly show together. It's a ton of fun. And it's now a part of the Maguire on Wrestling feed, free with your subscription, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Andy Evans. We're going to talk a little bit about his show coming over, as well as his thoughts on the Rumble from last night and some of your comments as well. This is McGuire on Wrestling. Welcome back to McGuire on Wrestling. Welcome back to the show. Well, I've been teasing this for months since we got McGuire on Wrestling going, since Team MOW became a thing, since the ACT came in. I've been saying for a while, what kind of a show, what kind of a an extra pod would you guys and girls like throughout the week? And the leading feedback I got a lot of had to do with Something that focused on the UK, something that included TNA, and maybe something for the middle of the week. And lo and behold, through a good friend, we have managed to accomplish all three things. Now a part of the Team MOW umbrella, probably one of the most successful podcasts from across the pond. Joining me from TSC, the Squared Circle, the one and only Andy Evans. How are you, my friend? I'm very good. Even better now that we're part of Team MOW. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing us on, and always a pleasure to speak to you, my friend. So to give folks the rundown of of how this is going to work, uh, midweek, so either Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere around there, uh, we have to figure out with the, the time zone things because even as we're talking right now, it's it's ten o'clock in the morning my time, which is. 5 p.m. your time. So we're going to have to figure out the the time-space continuum in this whole thing here. But nevertheless, around that midweek point, uh, Andy's going to be in with his show every week. And if you've never listened to TSC before, I I have always highly recommended it ever since you and I first met. And that's because I I like your show because you do some of what we do here, but you really go in depth on a a lot of the, the histrionics of of past events. You you seem to be a guy that really loves bringing back the retro content as well. Yeah, I mean, it, the thing about TSC is you could kind of call us the Laps fan, if you will, right? Because mm. I've been doing podcasts since 2005 and TSC predominantly since that sort of time. So, you know, we're, we're, we're over 20, nearly 20 years old. Um, but the golden era of professional wrestling, looking back at the legacy of the Rumble, for example, or looking back at Mania's gone by, or looking at the superstars of of yesterday, the ones that kind of set the scene for what we've got now, that's really where, you know, we come alive and where Sam and I, who who are the, the TSC project presenting team and Lee, um, really kind of find our flow because yeah. the classic stuff is just what really elevates us and goes not to say the current stuff is, is bad because we enjoy it but you cannot beat going back talking about wrestlemania 7 or wrestlemania 9 or super brawl 91 with rick flair and tatsumi fujinami or, or, or whatever there's just something about the old school things and, and you know that was brought home this past week on our show when i did the, the top 10 royal rumble matches of all time in my opinion and going back and watching i will admit i didn't watch 38 royal rumble matches at that point but (laughs) watching the watching the classic rumble matches and going where does flair's 92 sit into this and should it be number one and you've got the the double finish between brett and luger at 94 where does that sit does that come into it the big one for me was hogan warrior at 1990 when they had that first interaction that kind of led to wrestlemania 6 that's got to be in there and and that's when your plug was kind of pumping and you were going, yeah, this is this is this is the fun stuff. And to bring that across onto the products and onto the show for other people to listen to it and either share those opinions or kind of go, mate, what are you talking about? 2011 or 2001 is the greatest Royal Rumble match of all time. Bring it. I want that right. discussion. That's what makes it come alive. Well, and you guys have a massive YouTube following as well, over a thousand subscribers there. So that's pretty cool. And what I enjoy most is that you're also a part of our forum, the Team MOW McGuire and Wrestling Facebook page, and and you like to play along there as well. That's that's what we try and cultivate here is just that interesting discussion. We don't get behind a lot of the, you know, well, this company is better than that company. We just talk about things that we like and yeah. things that maybe we, we didn't like so much. But it, it, even then, it's not like, a you know, this is the worst thing ever. Oh, wrestling's ruined because honestly, guys, it's it's pro wrestling. Like This is what we're talking about, you know? Um, and there's something for everybody though, isn't there? I mean, yeah. you know, it was like, I love team MOW's Facebook page. And if you haven't signed up for it and you're listening to this or you're listening to our show, 
why why haven't you go find it on facebook um because you know joe and and the guys from act and everybody else that's kind of a part of it they really are passionate and it brings it out and you're getting guys you know going how are you watching the rumble tonight and and what did you think of the finish and it's real time and it's 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 just a friendly, fun place to be if you're a wrestling fan. And if you listen to our shows as well, then brilliant. Um, but it's just, yeah, it, it, it puts the fun back into professional wrestling. And, you know, before, I, I can waffle on Mike, you know that. Yeah, yeah, um, fine. But I think one of the things I want to point out to your, to your point there was an example of, you know, wrestling fans kind of maybe doing the negativity a little bit was the Netflix deal that was announced this past week. You know, people are going, why is it not AEW or why is it not GCW or why is it not TNA? At the end of the day, this is it. That was a great deal for everybody. And regardless of what company you support or what company you don't support, there's something out there for everybody and, and just embrace it and enjoy it. And and that's the, the fun thing these days of being in pro wrestling and being a part of team MOW. Well, we'll talk more about that as we uh, get moving on here over the next few weeks and months, and we'll have opportunities to definitely uh, have a little forums between the the two sides of the world here. But it's funny you brought that up with the uh, relationships and everything. Uh, TNA had a presence last night at the uh, Royal Rumble as well. I, I'm going to bring that up again uh, as we go on through the weeks here because I'm interested to see what happens to that. I mean, it was... It was kind of a nice thing when Mickey came out the one time. It was like, okay, that's neat. You know, but then all of a sudden we have Jordan Grace, who for no other reason other than she's the TNA knockouts world champion and she is a star and on the rise and clearly someone they're interested in, obviously. But I, I don't know if it was part of the Naomi deal. I don't know if it was part of them just wanting to, to cross brand and, and say, hey, we're not afraid to work with people. It's just we're going to be very selective of who we work with. I also wonder if there's a tie-in on on the higher end of of the Endeavor partnership, but either way, it's one of those things where it was a nice thing to see. It was something where, again, you can look at it, and they they didn't make her look like an idiot, you know, like she came out and presented really well, and she had some great strong moments, and and it was fun to see. But your overall thoughts from the Royal Rumble last night, and and maybe some highlights for you. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a really good Royal Rumble. I don't think it deserves some of the backlash it's been getting over the last 24 hours. You know, the men's Royal Rumble match in, in particular. Just going to that Jordan Grace moment. One of the things that I really loved about that was that fourth wall was completely broken down. They discussed the history between Naomi and Jordan Grace. They referenced Jordan Grace defeating Naomi at Hard to Kill to become the TNA World Champion, uh, Knockouts Champion. She had a really good showing. They put her up against, you know, Nia Jack, some of the bigger names in that women's roster, and she held her own. I kind of concur with what you're saying. I think this is either something where they kind of go, the old regime where we didn't acknowledge anybody outside of the bubble is now over, or it's something to do with this endeavor and the PLE of the, you know, of the, the TNA plus now being backed via endeavor. I don't care. It was great to see her. That was a standout highlight for me. Um, there were a couple of matches on the card that were kind of like, am I getting bought into it? Logan Paul, Kevin Owens. I think you always knew Kevin Owens wasn't going to win the belt. They want Logan Paul to go to Mania. It didn't take away, though, from how good that match was. And Logan Paul is an absolute superstar. The fact that he can come in on a part-time schedule and do what he does, and Kevin Owens can make anybody look like a five-star. And they did that. The weakest match for me, though, was the four-way for the world title. There was just no suspension of disbelief in that one that Reigns was going to drop the belt anytime before WrestleMania. What I did like was Cody winning the Royal Rumble back-to-back. But again, I think if you want to look at the pessimistic view of that, they did book themselves into a bit of the corner. How's that? Um, well, all the way through, it's been finish the journey, finish the story. Cody right. Rhodes is the cover superstar of 2K24, which is 40 right. years of WrestleMania, mm-hmm. with the tag, finish the story. So I think if you want to be the pessimist, you can look at it and go, well, the cover's out. They're, gonna, they're not going to want to release the game and not have Cody win the world title at WrestleMania to kind of bring it all together. Um, but I don't care. The final four, the final two between Punk and Cody Rhodes was everything he wanted it to be. 
you and I talked before the Rumble, uh, Mike, and there was, I think, a little bit of a glimmer of hope they were going to reenact the 1994 Royal Rumble finish with both Cody and CM Punk going over the top rope and both feet hitting the floor at the same time. I'm glad they didn't. It was a beautiful uh, back and forth between those two, the crossroads, the go to sleep, the prevented go to sleep by Rhodes, and then the throw out over the top rope. It was a lovely sequence. That was the highlight. Um, it was just a great all-round Royal Rumble. Loved it. I enjoyed it. And if you can sit there for a four-hour pay-per-view, regardless of the company, and go, I'm not clock-watching, I'm not skipping through action, they've done a good job, and that's what they did. The road to WrestleMania is fully on the way, and I can't wait to see where we do what we do in Philadelphia. And it was four matches. That's the thing that boggled my mind. Like, I kept looking up the card and see if I had missed something, you know, like I was yeah. checking all the websites and I checked WWE.com again. I was like, is it really just four matches? And sure enough, it was. And they gave them time. It was yeah. old school storytelling, even with the 90 seconds for each rumble entry, you know, which was a throwback to what they did before. Um, it was quick. It was on fire, but they gave them time. They didn't rush it. And that was, I think what made it unique, but I do want to throw one person out there as an MVP. Sure. And it's not Cody Rhodes. Who is it? Our truth. <laughs> I mean, how can you not like our truth? He comes oh. out in the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, he's the a national hero that, on this show, but yeah, go he on. is. He's a legend. You know, he comes out of Valhalla, gives him the look on on the apron. He goes in. He gets tossed out by Nia Jax. You've got Adam Pearce there, and then he does the wild tag, the hot tag with Dominic Mysterio in in the Men's Royal Rumble. It, this guy, I know Team MOW. I think you've got him in Hall of Fame platinum status. This guy is a legend that doesn't get the respect that he deserves. And it wouldn't work with any other performer bar Ron Killings. It's, I, I've, it's I've so been cool flying the R-Truth flag for a long time. I've been flying that flag even before the 24-7 thing. I've always been an R-Truth fan. I mean, when it comes to a guy who who consistently delivers, I mean, he gives you a good match and all that stuff, but can he be entertaining and now is being allowed to really just go out there and and do what an r-truth does i mean to me it's fun other people find it silly and too much and and i do agree there are sometimes where maybe it shouldn't be there like the uh, the main event of this week's past raw I, I understand where people are like that didn't really need to be there i get it but again you're trying to please everybody with the same dish do you know what i mean like it's yeah, it's yeah. always going to be wrestling it's always going to be something where how can we make it interesting for everybody and so, I mean, sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's going to not. Triple H said it last night in the press conference. You know, he was around for the attitude area, which which gets glorified as this great thing. He says a lot of that stuff stunk, you know, and he's not wrong. If you actually go back, I have the old like Rise Wars still on VHS, and I was converting a bunch of old tapes before I did the move here. And I go back and watch some of these old Raws, and I'm like, oof, <laughs> you know, some of this stuff How was not good. How did we sit through it? I know I've done exactly the same thing when watching it back on the network, doing research for the show. But yeah, uh, and bear in mind, Ron Killings is a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. This guy is not a slouch. He is a he's bona fide contender. Um, but yeah, no, brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Well, there you have it. Andy Evans, again, from the Squared Circle. TSC is what it's now known as. If you want to listen and subscribe to their feed as well, absolutely do it. Subscribe to their YouTube. But now going to be appearing here on the uh, Team MOW Maguire on Wrestling podcast feed uh, midweek for you every week again. Absolutely free of charge. We don't charge you money for this stuff. We just want you to enjoy and celebrate wrestling as we do. And uh, Andy, I'm glad we finally got here because it's been something that I've been wanting to do for a while. And I think you're going to bring in some great perspectives. I also know that you offer a lot of insight on TNA, especially because uh, it's a big brand over there, especially, and not that it's not a big brand here. It's just, I, I think you offer some great insight and some great moments to look for as well. And uh, the show is a fun listen. So do it. Thanks, Mike. And I can't wait to do it and, and interact with all of you guys as part of Team MOW and and to do crossovers, to bring ACT onto the show, bring you back on. We, we're talking about that now. So uh, yeah, can't wait. And uh, next week we kick off and it's exciting. Beginning of a new era for TSC and for Team MOW. Can't wait. McGuire on wrestling. I like that guy a lot. Like having his show on the feed. Hopefully you will as well. It's another free download for you. Again, midweek is when that's going to happen. And every week, just like we do, we're going to have a lot of fun here talking about pro wrestling. Love the conversation going on on the Facebook page. Before I go, a lot of comments about the Rumble itself last night. Uh, over 200 
and 60 comments so far on uh, the one post alone, plus everybody that wanted to play along with our free Rumble pool. So congratulations to Dave Drasha for Dreshef. I don't know. I don't know how I actually say your last name, Dave, but either way, congratulations. You got a MOW t-shirt coming your way. He chose the uh, Maguire on Wrestling Revenge one that my buddy James Zintel designed, the one that looks like WCW NWO Revenge. So that's on his way. And again, if you'd like to support the show financially, you don't have to. You don't have to, but I mean, it, it does help pay for things like contests. You know, it's almost like a little lottery thing, but not really because you need a license for that. And we, we wouldn't do that here. <clears throat> all right. Thank you for all your feedback. Thank you for your participation. And we'll do it all again next week. But for now, it's time to go. By the way, next week, uh, I'll be announcing exactly where I work, where I am in this crazy country of Canada, and where the new Maguire on Wrestling podcast studio is actually based. Exciting, right? Yeah. Until next time, thank you for listening and letting me do what I do. Play safe, drive safe. Ah, be senior.